You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. This time we are recapping the title game, Go Broncos, and also we got some. Luckily, we held off to record Matt. Matt Kennerly there, the other partner here with me. We get some bull talk a little bit today as well. So we got some excited, we got some drama, some excited fan bases, some bit. not excited fan bases, and whatever. We had the bull game, or the uh, Mount West title game. Let's get to that first. Twitter, thank you for your mentions and follows. MWC Wire, love it. Mount West Wire on Facebook. We'll get there on Facebook eventually. One day, we might get a few people pay attention to us over there. One of, the, one of these days. But... One of these days, maybe if I do a a Facebook Live and just scorch earth, and maybe that'll help out. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But here's what we're gonna do. We like I said, we're gonna talk about the game and the bull stuff, and we'll have another show later in the week to get more in depth on bull games because I don't want to be that guy or you, Matt, either. Like, okay, Houston's played Fresno. What about Houston? Uh, Ed Oliver's good. That's what I know. So we're going to maybe do some research and convene ne- early next week. But title game. Um, we were pretty much right on the outcome, right? Correct? I think we were all pretty close on this. Well, if I remember correctly, uh, from our preview podcast, you and Raja were on, on, on the right side of this thing. But at least uh, at least Fresno State covered. They did. We knew that was too much. What did, that, what did the final line be? Did you ever, Did we ever look at that? Uh, last I checked, I don't think I put it out on Twitter, but it was nine and a half oh. in favor. Boise State was nine and a half favorites. It went back up. So this game, like... Also, it's all it's also hilarious where we make some right calls. We don't make some right calls. Can I can I get a can people give me a round of applause for another correct Avery Williams uh mention doing well on special teams? We can lead off with that if you want. Because that was probably the one of the huge turning points of the game. I was I mentioned him versus San Diego State touchdown. And I was thinking for something like what's gonna be the big difference? Because special teams, you had two misfield goals. You had the penalty to start the game by uh when Boise State yeah, Boise State kicked it out of bounds. But then in this game, like defenses were rock solid for ninety percent of this game. But then you have late in the game, like there's a, how many do you have? You may not have this offhand, but weren't there multiple like punts pinned like inside the five yard line or kicks that were caught inside that red zone, other red zone? Well, okay, so if you look at the drive chart, that's basically the best way to yeah. try to figure that. <laughs> Sorry, out because... I threw it because I'm like I remember seeing a lot of kicks. A lot of people say flip it to field, flip it to field of this game. Well, and it absolutely was like a story that ended up mattering in this game because, it, and I think it started mattering more, especially after halftime. And I think that's a credit to both punters, Quinn Squillen, or Skillen, excuse me, and, you know, Blake Cusick, because if you look at, you know, if you look at the drive chart as a whole, it'll, on surface, it'll say that Boise State owned a, an advantage throughout the game that you know they started on average at their own 33 where Fresno State was starting at its own 24 but if you take away the four yard touchdown drive that Boise State had in the first half all of a sudden you're looking at a very different situation because you know especially by punts you know there were you know two instances in the third quarter where Fresno State had to start at its own 13 
They started at their own 10. They started at the one. They started at the 10, you know, on four different drives throughout this game. And, you know, if you look at what they did with those drives, you know, first drive, they started, or second drive, rather, they started at the 10, three and out. They started at the one, three and out. They started at the 13, three and out. It was, it was, it wasn't until that last drive in the third quarter that they were able to get some traction having been pinned deep. And that's when you start looking at Boise State's side and, you know, they were really kind of up against the same kind of situation because, you know, last drive before halftime, they started the 17, you know, and then in the three drives in the third quarter, you know, the, off the second half kickoff, they started the 18 and they started the 15. And then late in the fourth quarter, you know, they started their own six. And then on their game winning drive, they started the nine or at the 10 rather. Mm-hmm. So field position was a huge part in how this game turned out. And it just so happened that, you know, even despite that, like you said, Avery Williams was one break that they got. And, you know, the other break that they got was the big play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and they had one chance too. like look really quick. Like they went through and out. They had their second best field position was at midfield. And they got nothing out mm-hmm. of it. And so they had two good chances. But I was like, the Avery Williams, that was the game-winning play, essentially. His return where he nearly got in the end zone. And that's all they needed to get in there. It's where he got to at the four-yard line. And then they um, did the, uh, what was it, the uh, direct snap to to uh, Wolpen. Is that right? Well, in the first half, it was... Uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong play. I'm sorry. It was Go. Madison. Whoops. I know, so I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry, I was looking at their long drive at late in the second half. I was looking at that drive before with the start midfield. Yeah, it was Madison, direct snap, and that was, not that that was the game, but that points were at a premium, man. There was no points in the third quarter, no points until late in the fourth quarter, only 3-0 to zero at the end of the first quarter. There, That play, like anybody who broke something big, like there was, like, like Avery, Avery Williams played great. Obviously, we know he's one of the best special teams player in the conference. You have him and behind Penny and uh, the Wyoming guy who each had multiple touchdowns this year. He broke through, nearly had it. Two yards out, you're not going to get some points out of it, so they scored there. But these teams, like, there are so many drives. Like, this was a really defensive battle for the entire game. Boise State had multiple sacks The only t- against Fresno, which was the second time all year against Alabama was the other. So they got to the backfield what, a couple times. There. Fresno sacked Rippon multiple times. And late in the game, there was that, what, back-to-back sacks where we thought the game was over. Because there's a point where before that touchdown came through, it seemed like a lot of Boise fans were getting nervous, which, which I could see when I think they're more nervous about their offense, really, because their defense was fine. They were forcing seven plays, three plays. There's a nine-play drive that ended up punt for Fresno, but their defense was doing five. They're upset because their offense is going three plays, five plays, six plays in the second half. They missed a field goal and started the third quarter. And, but then it was a point where, like, there are so many, like, missed chances were a big theme as well in this game. Like overthrows by both teams. There was that one play. What did a Rippin have? Madison wide open, just overthrow by yard or two. Easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overthrew Cedric Wilson. More with McMarion, I would say his was a. He did have some overthrows. I don't think there was many that were. Some were just chucking it down the field, nowhere to catch the ball at all, no chance. Whereas I think Rippin had more just overthrowing. McMarion, McMarion had his own, but they're talking about, well, the reason he doesn't get sacked is he just chucks it down the field. Well, yes and no. But there are a lot of mischances in this game, and that's where, on both teams, I'd say more so for Boise than Fresno. Because Fresno, well, Fresno, I guess that interception in the first half as well, that looked like it was uh, nearly caught. So, you know, I think that there are several different instances that you can look at as, you know, and, and I said this on Twitter, but I might as well say it here. 
in a lot of ways, this game felt very similar to last week's matchup. And there were some like certain plays that you could point to and say like this was a turning point. You know, the first obvious one was in the first quarter where Fresno State drives, they get down the field, and the normally reliable Jimmy Camacho ends up missing a 41-yard field goal off the, off the post. You know, if mm-hmm. if they if they convert those three points, all of a sudden you're probably talking about a different game later on. Because, you know, Boise State wasn't able to do anything on the resulting drive, and it wasn't until later that they ended up getting a field goal from Hayden Hoggart themselves. So that was one instance. You know, the the second instance that you mentioned was, you know, the you know, the the interception from Mike Bell that, you know, it was the correct call to overturn it. I don't think there was any doubt yeah. that it hit that it hit the ground and he wasn't able to control it. But it struck me as being you know, something that me and Raja both talked about in the last weeks, if you read our keys to the game for both teams, you know, one of the things we wondered about was who's going to win the turnover battle. And kind of like last week, where if you remember, I believe it was the big play to AJ Richardson last week, where it was right off of Juju Hughes's hands and straight into Richardson's hands. You know, that Mike Bell, you know, not a dropped interception, but that that INT he just couldn't quite come up with was one of those things where, you know, if that goes differently, that could have changed the entire course of the game. Um, but then, you know, you have the kind of the dueling, questionable pass interference calls on both sides. There was the one, I believe it was early on, on, on like in the second quarter on Jeffrey Allison, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's what people are mentioning. And then, you know, the one that was later on in the second half that, I, I, to me, kind of seemed like a makeup call against, I believe it was Tyler Horton, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you, you know, you mean those, the one those the kinds end, of penalties. The one penalty. in the end zone or the, the one that was where he didn't turn his head around or the one against Boise actually was called? No, there was one against Boise that was called that, you know, at the point at which it was called, it seemed like it was a makeup call. Oh, was that the, 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 the overthrown pass, I believe? I'm yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's a few. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. So, you know, you can look at those things as, you know, points in the game where it could have turned one way or another. And then, you know, you get to the fourth quarter and you look at what these two teams are doing against one another. And kind of like last week's game, you know, through through three quarters, it was almost exactly the same as last week. By yards per play, Boise State was 5.1 through the end of three. Fresno State was at an even five. The big difference... What was interesting to me was that Fresno State, unlike last week, had a little more success running the football early on. Like their longest play, I think, was only 13 yards. And, you know, for long stretches of the game, it seemed like Boise State was having a lot of trouble gaining traction, being able to get into the backfield to slow down the running game, which is why if you look at the stat sheet, you know, they only ended up with three tackles for loss. You know, one of those was a true tackle for loss the other two were you know the sacks that they came up with later in the game but it seemed like that was the kind of thing that was going to you know make a real difference through three quarters because you know they weren't blowing people away on the ground but marcus mcmarion for instance you know showed that he could be a difference maker with his legs you know he had the the fourth down you know bootleg empty you know the fourth down naked bootleg on on fourth and goal that was you know yeah, that t- that play call took guts, but even before that, you know, he showed a willingness to take off that twenty yarder, yeah. and and yeah, and create with his legs. So you know, even though the threesome of running backs was you know not necessarily explosive, you know, he still got like I believe eighty three yards between the three. Josh Okett, 
Actually, I'm looking at Damari Scott. It's between Hokit, Damari Scott, who they were using him on fly sweeps, and Ronnie Rivers, you know, it, it was fine. It kind of got the job done, I think. And when you compare that to what Boise was able to do on the ground, especially with Alexander Madison early, you know, they were facing the same problem as last week, where Madison didn't really have a lot of success. You know, he 14 carries, 50 yards, but the long run was only seven yards. And that, you know, to me, led to a situation where, again, they were relying on Brett Rippon to try and win the game for them. And it seemed like, you know, at least through three quarters, it, he wasn't quite as efficient or quite as explosive as he was a week ago in Fresno. He only ended up 16 of 30, but there was long stretches, you know, late in the second half and all the way through the third quarter, I think, where, you know, if... As a, as a Fresno fan, I was I was watching him very closely, and I think that when you mentioned Boise State fans being nervous about their chances, that stretch in the third quarter where he was only, I'm trying to figure out what he was, he was only 5 of 11 throwing the football in the third quarter. So, you know, at that point, he wasn't quite getting it done, which is a big reason Fresno State wasn't able to, you know, kind of keep the lead as long as they were. Yeah, and like his like most of it, like going back to his rushing with McMarion real quick. Most of that was the first half, not not much came in the second half once they kind of figured it out. But like they like one thing too you mentioned last week they were good on third downs. This week they were not. They were what two of thirteen, two of thirteen, which is a uh, tough to do. But this game like Fresno was like yeah McMarion didn't play great in the second half, but defense kept him in this whole game. And I kind of said before the game like at some point the boy overall like the one unit that's going to be better is Boise State's offense because we had the what you mean, Raj, it did like predict the unit, like quarterback, running back, receiver. Most of us were on Boise's side. It finally broke through. But McMarion, it's just, they had to do something more than a short pass every time. You can't rely on a screen or a three yard pass to Cedric, uh, or not Cedric, but uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Boise was kind of figuring it out. They were fine with letting him go deep because he was inaccurate down the field when it was anything beyond 10 yards. Like, I thought it was kind of weird. At one point, I when they were at the one yard line, third down and 10. They t- I don't blame them for taking a shot, but they take two shots downfield on the one on the one yard line. It's like may- maybe that is the time to do a shorter pass to give you some room, because I, there's he just wasn't as accurate as I like liked him to be. And the running game wasn't great. Boise is figuring out on the defensive line how to stop the rushing attack. And this game, like I felt, if it's going to win, it's because Fresno's defense was just going to stop Boise the whole time. And it ba- almost did. There's the special teams. They very they very nearly did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, kind of like last week, you know, the the game kind of, there's two stories going on. There's the story of the, of the first three quarters and the story of the fourth quarter. And, you know, as I was watching it, what really stood out to me was that, you know, it seemed like Jeff Tedford and Kalen DeBoer must have seen something they thought they could exploit in the secondary because, you know, they only ran the ball twice in the fourth quarter. Hmm. And McMarion threw the ball 12 times and he only completed four passes. And when you compare that to what Boise was able to do, yeah, like, you know, once they got the lead, they were trying to kind of salt the game away with their with their running game with kind of mixed results. You know, so they only threw the ball five times, but same as last week. You know, one team got the big play that they needed. And if you're looking at the last turning point of this game, it's that big completion that they had to Cedric Wilson. Oh, yeah, the 59-yarder to set up that final score. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, you know, you're down 14-10. Like, you're in need of something. And, and we didn't mention and show- Madison was out in the game earlier because he did something to his ankle. So, and you bring in Wopen and whoever Robert Mahone to do something, and 
you're out you're out that running back as well. It's like when he was gone, I was like, there's Boise's got this because nobody could run the ball well. Yeah, and so I think, you know, beyond the big Wilson play that they had in the fourth quarter, you know, Boise's like it wasn't flashy, it wasn't pretty. But Boise stuck to their running game, and Wolpin, you know, he didn't get offensive player of the game or anything like that. But, like, his contributions, especially in the fourth quarter, were really critical mm-hmm. because, you know, again, his long run was only 12 yards. But, you know, he was running between the tackles in a way where no one else really throughout the game was able to. I- and that ended up paying dividends late on that game winning drive I- where they handed it off to him, he powered right up the middle and finally found that space that they had been looking for all game long. Yeah, he had 21 yards in the final drive. Part of it, too, maybe, he was just more fresh because he had Madison playing the whole game, and then he bring in Sutherback, who Wolpin's done pretty good all year, but I thought Robin Rahones may have got more carries just because earlier in the year, but part of it, he was fresh and didn't play much, so he has the fresh legs. He can see, see better, maybe, or just not as fatigued as Madison. That's a big deal as well. And I don't know, Rippin got player of the game for offense. I don't... He wasn't great. How does that not go to Cedric Wilson? That's why I was thinking, I'm looking at the numbers, I'm like, who could you give it to? Like, Rippon was okay, 16-30, 246. Yardage-wise, that's not bad per play attempt, but I know Wilson, he had had the play that set it up. Outside of the special teams play, that was the play. It should have been, I thought it should have been Wilson. Six for eight for 148, the long of 59. Without that 59-yarder, because what if it's overthrown again? What if... Not what else, but like there's a lot of overthrown passes, as I mentioned. What if the pass didn't go to him right away, bounce off his shoulder, he just doesn't catch it, or just a bad throw, or something happens? Fresno wins the game, I, I would think. I mean, I think it's a testament to like just how valuable he was to this offense that, you know, Brett Rippon completed 16 passes, you know, and, and as a team, Montel Cozart, you know, Cozart was one of two, so they completed 17 passes together. Mm-hmm. Cedric Wilson caught eight of those passes, and he was targeted 13. 13 times you know mm-hmm. they he basically had the same role in this offense that you know he had last week where he put up basically the same line minus the touchdowns this time around and fresno state still never had a you know a good like a good answer for him no and also 148 of 255 yardage and offense or passing offense i don't know it's quarterback's a marquee position but i'd say without wilson game's different not that he, you know i mean just if he has you know i mean if he doesn't have the game he has even i guess if it, i was just saying that 59 yarder was the turning point in the game and that's the reason you should give it mm-hmm. to him and it wasn't like it was a like rep it rip it hit him on target but it wasn't a deep bomb it was a pat what was it 20 yards downfield or 15 yards downfield he just took off down the seam it, i don't am i correct on that because i don't think it was just a, a bomb down the field well, it was about, I think it was at least 30 yards. Okay, maybe it was. He, he stumbled a little bit, which allowed Jaron Bryant to catch up and, and bring him down. Okay, I just wasn't sure. I remember it wasn't, like, I just, I knew it was a catch and run. I just, for some reason, thought it was a bit shorter. But still, wide open, had the seam, that play. Man, but this defense, like, Fresno's defense, just, it's hard to blame. It's like, McMurian put out the tweets, like, I'm sorry, I didn't play well this morning about the game. It apologized to everybody. You don't need to apologize. He scored both touchdowns. You just had... And an unfortunate pick. That was a great play by Boise's defense. And it's... I I also felt like once Boise got the lead, I figured the game's over for them because Fresno's offense, was second half, was pretty bad. They didn't do much. Like you said, they barely ran the ball. McMurray didn't throw the ball very well. He was only throwing short stuff. But I would say one key play that I don't know if it would have made the difference in the game or not. It was a pass interference call. 
in the end zone against the Fresno State. I see this way too often. In the NFL, you can face guard. It doesn't matter. You can stare the guy down, and as long as you don't obviously make contact, whatever happens to the ball, it doesn't matter. College, you have to make the attempt for the ball. I Do you recall? Yeah. I forget who was guarding the boys' receiver, but it was... It was That was uh, that was Anthula Kelly. That's right, Kelly. Okay, I just remember seeing the name. Like, okay. Yeah, everybody was saying, if, if he turned around, that's not pass interference. Turned around. Because he didn't. Turned around, maybe interception. Hit him right in the butt, I think. Right in the back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was just an underthrown pass, and he, all I do just turn his head a little bit, do something, maybe not a pick, maybe a pick, maybe it's just an incomplete pass. Boise maybe ends up with a field goal, fourteen thirteen. Maybe Boise still gets a touchdown, but you don't get an automatic first down at the two. That's the problem, mm-hmm. and I think that play almost as important as the interception for Boise State. Well, and the other thing that you mentioned very briefly that played a huge role in the second half is, you know, the amount of pressure that Boise State was able to generate. Because, you know, in the first half, it seemed like there were plenty of instances where Marcus McMarion had all kinds of time to throw. You know, for, for instance, I remember watching that that one drive where they start on the one-yard line. And, it just you know, they were only rushing four, I believe. And it just seemed like he had a whole day to be able to throw down the field. Mm-hmm. And it obviously didn't work out for him. But, you know, they must have seen something at halftime that they thought they could exploit. Because... You know, give credit to Curtis Weaver and Jabril Frazier. You know, they weren't really mentioning their name on the broadcast all that much in the first half. But after halftime, those two guys really stepped up, you know, and especially trying to attack, you know, not even McMarion's blind side. They were basically beating David Patterson, Fresno State's right tackle, straight up mm-hmm. on more than a handful of occasions. Exactly. Um, so, you know, to me, you know, that is another one of those things that's almost like the mirror of last week. Because I went back and I and I watched the game from last week before I was writing up the what we considered as a staff to be the most important players in this game. You know, last week it was Ezra Cleveland for Boise State that was kind of the weak link, especially late. This week ended up being Patterson. But I think that, you know, if especially the one sack that, that Weaver had where he more or less beat Patterson on a on a pretty simple, you know, move to the outside to be able to get to McMarion. So you know, those are kind of those small things that ended up making a huge difference in the end. And of course, one one last thing that neither of us have brought up yet. You know, Fresno State's last drive before Boise State's ninety-yard game-winning score. The uh, the forced fumble that Tyler Horton came up with. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I'm trying to remember the one where that was just, but Fresno recovered that one. Correct? Is that the one you're referring to? But. Yeah, because Jameer Jordan had you know had Horton on a on a slant, so he got the inside angle that he needed, and he would have had the third down if he had been able to hang on to the football. But Horton forces the fumble; it ends up going backwards. Oh yard yes, and a half. I do. Okay. And though Fresno State ends up recovering, they have to punt it away, and that's where Boise State ends up setting up for their game-winning drive. Oh, that before. Okay, okay. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, and then also what's really annoying: they were going to go for it, false start penalty. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? That is frustrating. You could have the first down. You go fourth to one. Was it the right guard or something? False start. It's like, you're at the 42. That's a fine place to go for it because you could punt and do whatever, but they got the 10. They eventually scored on the touch. That set the Wilson big play. That's also another area where fourth to one, may, had they got it, maybe, maybe not. Pretty good chance. I would say decent chance. You had one yard. 
It's all you need. 12 inches, or not, what, 36 inches, I guess, if it's a yard, not 12, it's feet. But you're right there, man. That's a nerves. I don't know what happened, but stinks to be that guy. That's unfortunate, but dang, false start penalty when you sort of have the momentum of decent, a pretty good play on third, third and 10 to make a big play. Because you had first and 20, you get a 10 yard. Like Big Marion was playing well. O'Neill got the 10 yard run. Then they had the uh, the completion, like we mentioned, about fumble. That's a, a lot of small things that could have changed this game. Like both teams missed a field goal. That could change the game. This fumble that goes back a yard. The false start penalty. The, uh, and like I said, the pass interference call in the end zone. A lot of small stuff that could have made a difference in this game. Yeah, and, and then, you know, like you mentioned, third downs especially. Because mm-hmm. Fresno State put themselves in way too many third down and long situations. 0-7 with nine or more yards to go. And granted, you know, the defense was just as, as solid against Boise State because Boise State was 0-5 on those long yardage situations. But, you know, last week they were able to kind of break past that. And this week it looked like, you know, a lot the same issues that the Bulldogs have been dealing with all season long. So, you know, credit to Boise State's defense for putting the clamps on when they absolutely needed to. And, you know, catching the right breaks at the right time. And, of course, you know, with a play like Wilson, with a play like Horton, making your own breaks at the right time. Let me ask you this. Was there any coaching advantage in this game by either team? Like, did, say, Harson get one over on Tedford or Tedford get one over on Harson? I mean, I don't think so. When when you were when you were talking about our uh, who where we thought the advantages lied um, earlier, you know, I had coaching as basically a draw in this game because you know Harson was not that far away from winning last week's game, and so you know it might have seemed like Tedford had outsmarted him, but you know in both instances, and I'm starting to think that if they played this game five more times, it would probably play out mostly the same way mm-hmm. because. You know, now you're talking about two straight instances where through 45 minutes each time, they're basically even. And it comes down to just these handfuls of plays where last week it went Fresno's way, this week it went Boise's way. So I think it was a well-coached effort on both sides. I think that they both found kind of the, the edges that they need, or that they needed rather, where, you know, that's why it was another one-score game. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, going through, like, was there anything... I would the naked bootleg was a pretty big play gutsy put call. I mm-hmm. would I would say like that that could have been with obviously just not out coaching but you're gonna go for it if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't if had they made the other fourth and one who knows maybe if they win I'd give the edge to Fresno a little bit because you make that play call so but there, yeah I don't think there's too many situations because it was all there wasn't a scheme change maybe harsing a little bit in the second half adjustments because McMarion did not run the ball very much in the second half at all or had no chances mm-hmm. to run the ball. So maybe a little bit, but go back. I could say the the uh, Tedford fourth and one naked boot play. It's like, it was, it said it was, I think I chose Fresno, but it was like, it was very, very close. And I just didn't want to be a, uh, be a numbskull and just choose a push. Not that you were, but I'm just saying for me, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, and the only reason I call it a push is because if you remember last week's game, you know, they had the fourth and one early, early in the game in Fresno State's territory. So it's not like they didn't show that they would have a willingness to go for it if they felt like they had a, a a good situation to do it. It's just that in this particular instance, they did just enough on third downs, you know, going six of 17 where they didn't really need to. And they were creating, you know, enough chunk plays, especially in the fourth quarter where, you know, they didn't necessarily have to push the envelope like that. All right. Anything else you need to add about this game? 
Can we can we do this again next year? Yeah, it was a fun game, right? It was a good game. Same teams. They play next year anyways again because of the uh, rotational of the schedule. That's true. All right, so yeah, it's a great game, great season. We've got bowl season coming up. Before we get to bowl season, there's one bit of news that slipped through the cracks that we're going to write on eventually. Did you see what happened in Albuquerque? I did not. You're going to be shocked. You're ready? Oh, hold on. I have to answer a few questions at abqjournal.com. There's a coaching change in Albuquerque. Interesting. Not Bob Davey. Offensive coordinator Bob DeBess is out, as is lesser of an impact quarterbacks coach Al Simons. That's a pretty big. Hmm. That's a pretty big deal. That is kind of interesting, and does make you wonder. You know, with the with the offensive shift that we kind of saw, you know, from week to week this year, where last year it was you know run run run, but also create explosive plays on the ground. Whereas this year, you know they were a little more inconsistent throwing the football, a little more successful, but, you know, from week to week, it wasn't quite the same offense that we had seen in 2016. So I'm curious, you know, with with Lamar Jordan moving on, you know, Tuioti, I presume, is going to be in the mix to, you know, be in the, to be in the role for the starting role next year. So what will the offense look like? That's the biggest thing because he's been their only OC. He came from Stephen F. Austin, where they were a successful FCS team going to the playoffs, making deep runs like uh, Montana, uh, Montana State, those type of schools, uh, South Dakota, or North Dakota State, those type, those guys, Eastern Washington. I don't know because that's all the only offense Davey's run, and Davey's the, Davey is a defensive coach. D.C. It's Texas hmm. A&M, head coach of Notre Dame. I know they moved a little bit to the passing attack this year, but here's the thing. If they switch to uh, – because we mentioned this with uh, – what coaching um, – we're talking about coach, I forget what, whatever. I don't remember recall the exact conversation, so I'm not going to stumble and think about it. Here's the thing: coaching changes happen, but Davies had this system in place. I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not Davies. Wasn't I think Davies chose an offense that would be unique when he brought in the beast or Bob the beast or the beast a couple years ago, because hey, nobody runs this offense. Let's be different. That's what happened. Look at years ago at the spread attack at Bowling Green, Utah. All these teams doing the spread attack. Florida, when Urban Meyer went there, obviously all three of the schools he coached at. That's a big deal. Um, San Diego State kind of went to that but came back. So what, what are we, what we going to do to be different? Well, let's run offense nobody runs, and we will be successful because the triple option more or less gets yards and gets production for the most part. Army usually runs yards. They've been good this year, not in the past, but Navy. Air Force, teams that do that. Georgia Tech, look at Paul Johnson. So I'm wondering, like, sure, I what offense is going to be in town? Because Davey... Who's he going to bring in? We're we'll keeping an eye on what's going to happen. But if they make a change to even just a pro-style offense, they don't really have the depth, I don't think, to do that. Like the quarterback situation, they who um, I know Jordan's gone. They played, what, three three to five guys this year. Two Vadis there, and they had – who else to play? Cole um, – not Cole Gauchy, Um, Who's the guy who came in – whatever, versus Tulsa. Are you are you talking about uh, Austin Apodaca? No, not – he played in the Tulsa game. They played like five quarterbacks, almost had the quarterback. Oh yeah, I forget his name. <laughs> but they they play somebody else. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like they played all these quarterbacks who come in to run this offense. If they even go to a pro style set, they don't have a tight end on the roster. Need at least a couple, maybe two, depending what you want to run. You're gonna need depth of wide receiver. I know they've been stacking up the past couple years with JUCO wideouts to want to throw the ball more. But if they're gonna switch to a drastic shift in offense, it could take years. They could be another step behind because the reason they're that good was. Terry Gibson, um, all these guys running the ball the past three to five years, 
Richard McCorley getting big plays on this offense it didn't happen this year. So if they go to a more traditional offense like what USC runs, Wyoming, Colorado State, that could take time to adjust. And Bob Davey, does he have time to hang around to do that? Does he want to do that? I don't know. He's sticking around, obviously. But making that change, they may take a step back. Because I don't know who they're going to hire if they're going to keep the offense. OC from Georgia Tech, would he make that move? No. You're going to get the maybe the OC from Army? That's a step up? Something like that? I don't know. But if they want the same type of offense, they got to find a coach. It's, it's not like they're uh, rolling around out there to find a guy who coaches a triple option. You know what I mean? Do you think Do you think they might reach out to Bob Stitt now that he's not at Montana? Oh, anymore? boy. Here we go. Yes, let's do it. Because <laughs> he can make it work. His offense is already so unique, what he does. Why not? You know what I mean? That, that, I mean, if you're if you're New Mexico, do you just like, I mean, you have to give him a call, don't you? Obviously, yeah, because he, like what he does, like if you haven't seen him play, was he at Montana or Montana State? He was at Montana. Montana. Who, who, by the way, we should probably mention on a related note. Bobby Houck? You know, <laughs> Bobby Houck leaving San Diego State, going back to Bozeman. Wasn't he the head coach there before UNLV? He was. He was very successful there as well. Okay, that's a roundabout. You know, and and if you go back and if you if you read some of the headlines, there is some uh, some consternation about the the culture that he had established up there in his first tenure. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But you know, good for him for you know getting back in the head coaching ranks, I guess. Exactly. But back to Stitt, like what he does, he. It's unique in that he does spread stuff. He passes more than what they've done, but he can make it work where he would say, okay, we run the ball well. We have this offense in place. It would be smart of him to, if he were to be there, like, okay, we'll keep these uh, basic nuts and bolts down, but I'm going to bring in a few plays here. There are a few, few new wrinkles that it's going to eventually be what I want to be and do the slow build to a couple recruiting cycles to have what he wants. And it could still be a very unique offense, where he's actually passing the ball, but still the basics right now. That would be a that's a good move. That would be something they should look at. So apparently they also they also lost their director of recruiting, or rather he was let go. That's right. In the same way that their coordinators are gone. So my question is, you know, if if Davy is given the chance to revamp his coaching staff, is he the number one name on the hot seat going into twenty eighteen now? Do I start that now? I mean, we can start thinking about it. I, I would say this has this has the makings of, uh, of of to me at least as someone who's you know seen this kind of thing up close and personal. Mm-hmm. You know, they they there's no telling that or there's no question they fell off this year, and to me it seems reminiscent of you know Tim DeRuiter, for instance, here at Fresno State getting rid of Dave Schramm and Nick Toth, hiring Eric Kiesel and Lorenzo Ward, and you know it not being enough to save his job you know, one season later. So I kind of have to wonder whether that's the case. I would say so because I've mentioned before, whenever you have an, not this isn't an overhaul, it's just a couple coaches, but like you said, DeRuiter, okay, the new OC, new DC, bringing almost clean, clean house underneath him, he would be next to go. But Lobo shouldn't overreact. I would say, yes, he should be on the hot seat because a couple bowl games, they shared the division title a year ago. But... Remember where they were with Mike Loxley. Not that they'll go back to that. That's, that's true. But this was not a great season by their standard the past couple of years, but it's still miles ahead of what they did before with Loxley. So I would say, yes, he could be on the hot seat. If he goes like 2-10, and 10, yeah, I can see. Well, it was New Mexico this year. They won four games. Is that right? Five games? Well, I know they ended the year on a seven-game seven game losing yeah, streak to end the year. That doesn't help. 3-9. and nine. So there's that. 
losing like Fresno, CSU, Wyoming, Texas A&M, UNLV, a lot of decent teams on there. Bowl teams on there as well. Most of them all but UNLV, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough stretch. But I would say you're correct on that. But I, I would say be careful, though. Don't just make a change because you won three games again. It's, he's been there six yeah. years, too. He's going to be year seven, I think, coming up with Davey, which is wow. Well, I mean, and the upside is, too, is like you look at what Utah State was able to do, mm-hmm. for instance. You know, they went three and nine last year. You know, there was a lot of pressure on Matt, William, Matt Wells to perform. You know, he hired two new coordinators. All of a sudden, they're a bull team again. The ultimate bro in Yost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll see. It's, um, you're right. I'd say any other coach, um, I could still see Matt Wells being on the hot seat just because. I mean, yeah, and like you said, it's a tough job. Yeah, the year was up and so down. keep that in And mind. the year was up and down, too, for Utah State. It's not like it was a consistent game or, oh, we're in all these games. They they played well, and they played really bad sometimes, too. So, all right, so one final, one final bit of thought here, or a little bit of notes. We'll go through bull stuff that happened. Hey, this show might be under 50 minutes, Matt. We'll see. Should we stretch it to an hour? No, probably not. We'll see. Nah, We're nah. good. We want people to hang out. So, bull stuff. Came out, um, we talked about last week how Vegas Bull, people got mad at me for that as well online just because I mentioned, hey, Boise, no matter what, to Vegas Bull, which is not far-fetched, but, and not, a, and not a, whatever. We knew that could be the case regardless because how the bulls are picked. By the way, you know what? I was I was looking stuff up earlier, and I think we all forgot that when San Diego State won the conference in 2015, they didn't go to Vegas. Oh, I forgot about I missed that one. Where did they go? They ended up in Hawaii. But was that the as a conference title, right? I mean, championship game too, correct? Yeah, 2015. Well, oh. yeah, because they beat Air Force, ended up going to Hawaii instead because the Vegas Bowl wanted a holy war. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, no, between well, Utah and BYU. Well, yes. However. There should be some clarification on that as well. The reason that happened because BYU had an option in fifteen or nineteen to go to one or two of those bowl games. So, That's so true. it's you're correct, and but there's other a little bit more info into that. So that is That's so twenty fifteen yeah. and eleven. So that means in twenty nineteen, if BYU's bowl eligible, they're going to the Hawaii Bowl. They won't be. <laughs> Don't tell my neighbors or whatever. <laughs> anyway, anyway. No, that's a good point. That's we we did not bring that up, but that was most more because of the contract, not necessarily. Well, I guess it's everything. They want a good matchup. Who would want that game? Every, that's a big, big deal. But that's a good, good pull there that we found. You found that. So, what we have going on now? Um, Aztec fans might be uh, mad at the moment, but we got. Also, I'm, I'm liking how my bull picks mostly came out, so I can give myself a pat on the back because I'm going to. <laughs> we have bull games already. Fresno. Should we start there? I guess Fresno lost the title game. They go to Hawaii and they play. The best, the, the best opponent, right? My S and P plus, the best opponent in the bowl team, bowl situation. That's true. I mean, if, for those of you who are interested in it, I would definitely encourage you to look it up because you know Fresno State, you know, even though they lost yesterday, still twenty fifth by S and P plus, and Houston is not that far behind them. You know, they only finished seven and four this year. I believe they had one game canceled out because of the hurricane earlier in this fall. But you know, they are a pretty tough defensive team. You know, they, you know, have Ed Oliver, who's obviously going to make an impact. They have a defense that, you know, by on a per play basis, finished second in the American. You know, they can create turnovers. So at first glance, this seems like, you know, surprise, yet another defensive struggle for the Bulldogs ahead of them. Yeah, and they were um, just an American conference play, third in points allowed. Only yeah, they were five and they were five and three. They beat Navy. They also beat South Florida, who was ranked 17th at the time. 
So this is not a team that you can overlook. You know, they did have some quarterback issues, but they seem to have settled on that with, the, I believe, Derek King is their quarterback now. I'd have to look. I'm not entirely sure. We'll talk more about that. Also, tan- tangentially related, I guess I'm using that right. Right. Um, Houston scheduled a couple. Boise State, we didn't write about it. We should have, but it happens. They scheduled some future non-conference stuff. Boise plays uh, Houston down there in a couple years. Those will be fun games, trust yes, me. Yes, they will. I remember watching uh, when BYU was good a couple years ago in Houston. It was like a 45-40 to 40 game. <laughs> so, And we remember last year, Aztecs. It was a struggle until the Aztecs defense just wore down the uh, Houston offense with uh, Greg Ward Jr., Mm-hmm. Is there are there lines out in these games yet? I've not checked. Uh, I would be very surprised. I had not considered looking. There it were up yet. title game lines. I know, like for or playoff games, I should say nothing. Yet. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. We got a few mentions here. I guess they're still building up their website over at Vegas Insider. But the, let's go back to the Vegas Bowl because we should have started there. You got Boise playing Oregon, and pretty good matchup. Yeah, and there's a there's first thing of Oregon. Every, everybody knows Brian Hout, Legarrette Blunt. That's what we think of, right? <laughs> the, the punch in the face and the athletic did. If you have a subscription there, they did something a few months ago about talking not to like Garrett Blunt really, but to Brian Hoyt, like what he's up to and all that stuff. So if you have a subscription, go find that. I think uh, was it Chantel Jennings who wrote that? I don't, I don't recall who wrote it, but look for it. It's pretty cool. It was something, but that's what you think of Oregon. One quick note: there's a small chance Willie Taggart might not be their head coach as well. I was just about to mention that if you didn't, because he's I guess is. I don't know. The coaching carousel is weird. And we'll get into more of these games in depth, but I believe was a Taggart's agent was on campus at Florida State. A co- that would not surprise me. A couple me. days ago. And so we'll see it. Oregon's been up and down. They've had, they have a good, they beat, we saw him play Wyoming, crushed Wyoming. Oregon's had some, I'll look up everything later, but they had some issues at quarterback injuries. And they finished six and six. So they were an okay team this year. They weren't great. This was a kind of a rebuilding, obviously, year one after going three and nine last year. Oh, sorry. They went seven to five. Did I say six and six? Yeah, they went. They also won the one four away from home. So that's a even a neutral site. That's a pretty big deal. They lost Arizona State by a couple points. They got blown up by Washington, Stanford. They somehow crushed Utah. I'm upset about that. They basically any good team they played, they lost pretty bad. Like here's who they played who was ranked. Arizona State's ranked now, but I guess this is that time. No, they're not. Sorry, Washington State. They lost thirty three ten. Stanford forty nine seven. Uh, Washington thirty-eight to three. So not not great. great. So it's that's a good matchup. It'll be fun. It'll be fun talking about Boise, Oregon, and Pac-12. And then there also will be here's what's really going to take a twist. Let's just say um, Taggart's no longer there. Boise State head coach Brian Harson now Oregon head coach. He was considered for the job last year, and I believe interviewed if I'm correct too. That would be really weird and really uncomfortable for everybody all around. That would be, but um, we'll get to it. We'll see. I, I guess we'll see. I'm, assu- I'm assuming something's going to happen in the next week or so. Between you know when we're talking about it now and when we actually preview the Vegas Bowl, I'm just guessing something's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to make it a little more intriguing between these two yeah. teams. Also, real quick, if you want coaching stuff, um, Football Scoop's really good at that. Check them out. Also, like I said before, I mentioned over the athletic Chris Benini, who used to do coachingsearch.com, which I would avoid with the plague right now because they want to charge you 100 bucks until March just for transaction news. Yikes. And like, really, guy? Like, come on. But if you have the athletic subscription, if you ever knew what coachingsearch.com did before, they had the coaching tracker. And I know a bit because I did some work for them for a couple months, years ago. But he basically goes through Benini there, just puts like 
Like, here's one right now. Gus Mazzon agreed to a new deal to say to Auburn. Okay. UCF, uh, Texas A&M, former Aggie coach Kevin Sumlin considered for UCF job. Stuff like that. He had the, uh, that's where I saw the, maybe you saw it too there, Matt, the uh, director being like of New Mexico of recruiting. That's where I saw that first too. Mm-hmm. It's only a couple bucks a month. So that's a, this time of year, pay for a couple bucks and cancel. Who cares? It's a pretty good thing to look at. That's one of the best things I think on the website right now. So check that. Also, you know, it's, um, you know what? It's great to be a college football coach. Also, you know what? You know what? Well, Besides money and it's a decent job, our suck. But um, Jimbo Fisher, he wrote, I know it's to- totally off topic. Do you know what his contract is with Texas A&M? Last I heard, it was ten years, eighty million dollars, fully guaranteed. Al- almost, you got everything in there, seventy-five million. But full, the last, it goes seventy-five million, comma, fully guaranteed. Can I get a job that's fully guaranteed, even if I suck at it? Uh, become a baseball player. That too, yeah. You can be Bobby Bonilla. When's Bobby Bonilla Day? Is that still a thing? <laughs> yes, it is, and it's in July. I believe it's July first. <laughs> that was oh man, that's uh. Look it up. We don't want to talk about, it, but look up Bobby Bonilla Day, and you'll just kind of it's a head scratcher. And also, and do we want to do we want to move on? Yeah, I was going to mention about <laughs> Danny White, but I'm not going to just because he's the UCF AD who is up in the night at times. All right, next let's do this quick. Next bowl game. Um, I got the Mountain West website here. They have a release out. Um, here's the actual matchups here. Next one, New Mexico Bowl. Colorado State versus Marshall. Decent matchup there. It's December 16th. It's one of the uh, only two games this year. We don't have to do a triple header that day, which is nice. So you go, Thank goodness. Yeah, and overlapping triple header is the worst, too, <laughs> for these teams. So you got CSU Marshall. Marshall, is uh, they're now in uh, Conference USA. They bounce around a bit from league to league. Uh, we'll get to know more about Marshall, but typically, um, you know who they are, right? Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, those guys. <laughs> Not quite as explosive nope. <laughs> as they as they were in those in, in those eras, but you know this is another team where you know they were down a little bit last year, rebounded pretty nicely. They have a do they do have a very talented quarterback in Chase Litton, who was among, you know, if if Mason Fine was kind of like you know the the top guy in the conference, Litton had a very good argument as being you know the second or third best quarterback in there. You know, so he's still there. You know, they get a defense that's you know pretty solid, nothing too spectacular. They were actually they were by yards per play uh, tied for third in the conference, so that made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll talk more about them, but they do have some nice players. They can you know create some plays down the field, especially through the passing game. They can run reasonably well, and also this is a team a couple years removed from being what ten and 11 and zero. But then they yeah. lost like everybody, and so they're a couple years away from that. So these are the guys that were coming in struggling past year or two now they're at the point where hey we're a pretty good team so again we'll, we'll talk to people who know about those teams if you know a marshall fan let us know we, we may chat with them because we want the best right to chat about these matchups all right so Word. next game all right um wyoming central michigan going to boise idaho can we just please not have it actually be a skating rink this time is there is there is there a heater underneath the blue field I don't think that there is. That's a problem. I, th- I think they would have turned it on last <laughs> year if that were the case. Or can they at least um, do what they do for, like, when they play U.S. national team soccer games or big-time soccer games? Like, they always play at the Columbus Crew Stadium. They put a tarp on. I know it's natural grass, so it's a bit different. But can't they put the tarp over the field but then have the heaters underneath up until, like, a couple hours before kickoff to do something? Or would that just melt the, the field turf? I don't know. I have no idea. But – you got. I was hoping it was Northern Illinois, or even I saw Toledo. Toledo, I think Wyoming would have got work versus Toledo, because uh, you know it is Logan Woodside. He's pretty good, right? We've seen them do a few things. Well, I mean, Central Michigan. They, I don't think they could be overlooked. They did finish eight and four. Mm-hmm. They did finish tied for second in the MAC West. You know, and 
you know, like we just talked about with Marshall having a pretty good quarterback, so did the Chippewas. You know, they got a transfer from Michigan, who you might remember, Shane Morris. Yep. You know, second in, second in the MAC in touchdown throws, you know, quarterback rating of 130, which isn't too bad. I believe it was fourth among qualified quarterbacks. So, you know, they could score a little bit too. And especially if Wyoming doesn't have Josh Allen under center by then, you know, what is the offense going to look like? Yeah, and at the moment, looking at Brandon Foster, they mentioned, did his injury have any concern over who he's from trib.com? But mentioned, like, was there any talk to the AD? Was there any concern about, uh, a bowl selection or where they'd go because Allen, I guess that was not considered at all. So take that for what it's worth. And a lot of people right now also wish the Poinsettia Bowl was around. The Poinsettia Bowl. So nothing new um, about that. Just going to look at a few things. But uh, yeah, it's just Tom Berman. So like I mentioned before, this bowl game is a little bit later in the bowl season. It's because it's the uh, December 22nd. So it's about the time where if it is a six-week recovery time for that AC joint, he could be back. Maybe. If not, look for Nick Smith. All yeah. right, the next should we just should we skip the uh, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl until the end? We'll come back. Yeah, there's to a lot to talk about now. So next, Hawaii Bowl we already kind of mentioned Fresno Houston. Good job. That's a Christmas Eve, so ignore your family for a couple hours, right? Mm-hmm. If you can, right? Might as well try. You got the uh, Aggie Bowl. I'm going to make this a thing. The Aggie Bowl. I like Nova it. Home Loans Arizona Bowl Utah State versus Mexico State, December 29th. So that's a. I'm glad we got these bowls spread out. One post Christmas bowl game at Utah State. Or excuse me, New Mexico State. Has not been a bowl, to a bowl game in 57 years. And there's a, a talk about, I think it was in the Albuquerque Journal, that they they potentially, due to budget, were going to possibly decline a bowl game, depending where it was, because of cost to travel. That would have been a huge bummer. And that makes me believe a couple of things. They're going to be joining the FCS pretty soon with Idaho, because they want to be an independent state in FBS. And mm-hmm. if you want to hear a bit about that, uh, me and Eli, we're going to do a basketball show later, maybe tonight. There's some... Um, Realignment, realignment uh, shindig we're going to go through and talk about. So maybe Aggie, two Aggie teams in Mountain West? Maybe. You never know. But <laughs> this had some controversy because the Fiesta Bowl chose Washington and, oh, shoot, who's the other team? Penn, Penn State. State. There, there's a trickle-down effect because Washington wasn't really expected to get in because the Pac-12 has two teams. And Pac-12, not that they're affiliated with this bowl game, but it kind of caused a who's going to go where because you move up the ladder. Because Pac-12, the bowl-eligible teams, like Utah's not going to a Pac-12-affiliated bowl. So there's a couple things mm-hmm. that push things down a bit more and impact this. I don't know. I, I'm kind of thinking it might have been a ruse a little bit. Because do you get that feeling kind of how this played out? I don't know. It's all backroom politics. So really nothing surprises me about no. how this turned out. And you know, especially with the Arizona Bowl kind of being in that tier where like they're the last bowl to be considered Pretty, in the Mountain yeah. West. I felt kind of bad for them. Like, there was the picture that if you go back and you look it up on Twitter, I think it was Erica Watson mm-hmm. was her name. It snapped a picture of this dude, you know, crouched down, you know, hand over his forehead, face palming, like, what is going to happen? Kind of indicative of how this whole kind of shell game ends up going down year after year. I don't know. It's a, And then they, I watched the Periscope Live video, right, and it came out. And once they mentioned, because here's the thing, there's a real thought because they were – 80 bowl to eligible teams and only 78 slots. So they're saying mm-hmm. if you're six and six, you're the first to go. And so when I heard them talk about Merlin Olson, former Utah State, great. Also, Little House on the Prairie actor, for those who don't know. <laughs> when they mentioned him, like these are the, this is the last bowl game, bowl team, New Mexico State Aggies played. And so once they started mentioning him, like, okay, Utah State's safe. They're going to this bowl game because 
why would you mention that as a sticking point if you're going to play somebody else in your lead up to announcing? So I thought there was a little bit of shenanigans just to get some more publicity. Hey, it worked, but this is a bowl game I picked correctly. I picked a couple bowl games correctly. Fresno, Houston, um, Boise, Oregon, after I made a quick change. No, some dummies made me pick stupid uh, Arizona in the morning. Last night I had Oregon. But let's get to the final game. Well, actually, can we just talk about New Mexico State for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, yeah, to... we didn't really mention the team one bit, so yes, that's something we should give a little boreball <laughs> well, on. <laughs> because, you know, it, I think it's going to be a really interesting test for Utah State because, you know, as we've talked about in a lot of recaps, they've been very up and down, especially on offense this year. And when you look at what New Mexico State has done, you know, two things stand out immediately. Like, they live or die by the pass, which, you know, Tyler Rogers, for, for better or for worse, is the guy who makes that happen. You know, 26 touchdowns, but also 16 interceptions. You know, the the first of which is uh, third in the Sun Belt, the latter of which is first. And they get after the quarterback. They've got four different guys with at least five and a half sacks. They ended up leading the Sun Belt in total sacks. So, you know, if they can hang on to the ball, if they can create passes through the air, and if they can get Larry Rose back on track, like he hasn't been quite as productive as he was in years past. You know, Utah State might have more of a handful than they expect. So it's going to be a really fun game to watch. All right. Yeah, I, I think a little bit. I think there could be – it depends what Utah State team shows up as well. Mm-hmm. Just because they've been – they're what – had to make the comeback versus UNLV. They had the defensive game versus uh, BYU where Jalen Davis had a couple picks. It's it, it depends what team shows up because this is a game where – it'll be interesting to see because I don't know what Aggie team will show up. Hopefully motivated, ready to go, and Jordan Love does good things at quarterback. All right, let's get to the yeah. final game where there's a lot of people mad online about this one. 10-2 San Diego State. Also, real quick, are the Aztecs ranked? I didn't look at the final rankings today. They were not ranked. Boise State, by the way, did sneak in at number 25 in the final college football playoff rankings. I believe uh, one of our followers, actually, Chad Scott, mentioned that they were, I believe they were number 25 in they are. three of the he does not leave AP he, coaches... He's always quick to point that out to us. <laughs> no, we love Chad. He did a few things for us last year, which is nice. Um, yeah, but asked, uh, I thought San Diego State was Ray. Oh, yeah, I guess they were in the eight coaches poll last week. So, yes. Here's the thing. We have a couple. There's If you just search San Diego State online on Twitter, you'll probably find um, just people not too happy. Like, we have a couple of guys who used to write for us, uh, like Matthew Bain, Patrick Carr, not too happy, saying West Coast teams get screwed from Kizzer, California, 10 win team. They play uh, Army. Okay, here's the thing. I guarantee how, what went down. Because last year, there's the deal to get them get them to play Houston. Also, actually, really quick, did we mention the bowl game, Army and the Armed Forces Bowl? That's uh, December 23rd. So there's that, for those who are wondering. Saturday, so that's good if you want to travel. Great. Um, it, this is a backroom deal that kind of fell flat, that fell through, I'm thinking. Because it was all along you had, everybody was hyping up the Foster's Farm Bowl like crazy. They're going to go there. They're going to get the Foster's Farm Bowl. Because there's a chance the Big Ten may not get enough bowl eligible, eligible teams. And my prediction last night before I changed, I guess I should change this morning, but it depends on the playoff. If you got two Big Ten teams in a big money bowl game, that would open up a slot. Well, that's not exactly what happened. That's why most people were thinking Aztecs can go there. Because it makes sense. Them or Fresno State, just because it's a local team, more so Fresno than San Diego, but still in-state. You get to play probably, I don't even know the matchup. It was all, always Washington State was what the matchup was going to be. But here's what happened. Aztecs like, well, we want a better matchup. We want to negotiate something because here's what we did know. We knew they weren't going to, to, to the Las Vegas Bowl. For sure, we knew that was not a case. We knew they were not going to go to the Arizona Bowl because that's last pick, and that was a shoo for Utah State. 
And the Mountain West to go to the Foster's Farm Bowl had to fill out every option before then. Because Cactable could have been, like, I know it's confusing. We have the flow chart on the website if you want to see. But to get to the Foster's Farm Bowl, everything played out perfectly for the Aztecs. Two teams got in the big money bowl game. All the Mountain West Bowl slots were filled. That was the two requirements, in my opinion, that needed to happen. I guess really the, uh, the bowl slots were in writing, essentially. So that went in the place. But then it's Purdue. Who's the other team? Is it, is it still Washington State versus Purdue? No, I believe it's Arizona. Oh, yeah, Arizona. Purdue. It's like, okay, cool. You get to Khalil Tate, pretty good matchup there for Arizona QB. But I'm thinking it was a backroom deal where nobody wanted the Aztecs. I'm thinking, as bad as that sounds, because only, the other bowl option, which I was thinking, could have been the Frisco Bowl because it's American versus at large. And if you see any of state fans, well, that bowl, it's kind of new, which, well, it's the Boca Raton Bowl or the uh, Marlins Bowl, Miami baseball stadium bowl game at 10 a.m. or something being played. So it's kind of new, but you mm-hmm. could have played an American team. It could have been UCF, um, Memphis potentially. They're staying home and made a switch to get to the Liberty Bowl. But I think it was just a backroom deal where, because, again, remember, bowl games, they're a business, right? They want to make money. They want people well, and, there. And, and multiple people were pointing out that, you know, this was mostly in regards to Fresno State, but I think it applies to just about everybody in the conference equally. Las Vegas Bowl gets its pick, and then ESPN is responsible for just about everything else that happens. They own a lot of these bowls. Like, they own the New Mexico Bowl. They own the Vegas Bowl. They own the Hawaii Bowl. Yes. So if you're looking for someone to blame, you know, in the same way that we were looking for someone to blame for the whole home field fiasco last week, and we ended up settling on BYU, <laughs> you can blame you can, you can can blame ESPN for this one. Who, does, who owns that bowl game? Do you know the Frisco or the Armed Forces Bowl? I don't know. I'm going to no. look real quick. But what, the, the options were limited. It, that's yeah, a problem, and too. That, and, and, and again, this is a roll of the dice with Aztecs. And I think that this is the kind of conversation we seem to have pretty much every year with one team. Like, I, I wanted to go back and look back real quick at where teams ended up in bowls. You know, and in the same way where we mentioned that after they won the conference in 2015, you know, the Aztecs ended up in Hawaii rather than Vegas. You know, in 2014, Utah State won game or won nine games, rather, ended up getting saddled with a New Mexico mm-hmm. bowl date. Yeah, and then even last year, you know, Air Force ten wins. They went nine and three. Oh, yeah, nine and three. Yeah, they, they yeah they they had nine wins going mm-hmm. into the bowl game, but they got stuck with the Arizona Bowl. So, I feel like you know something's got to give at some point. Like they they have to do something to come up with better matchups. It's hard to do though. It it's hard to do. That, that's what people yeah, want. It is hard to do, and it just seems like one team always ends up in a bowl that seems a little bit beneath them. And the only reason that I would, you know, I could make that argument, but I'm hesitant to do so. Army's pretty good. Yeah. Like I mentioned, they are number you two know, out of all the opponents, aren't they? Number two, number three in F and P plus, or S and P plus. Sorry. Yeah, like, and by, you know, if you look at the S&P Plus, actually, they're middle of the pack. They're like 59th. But as far as Mountain West Bowl opponents, they are third. And, you know, it, you know they are 8-3. And, and if they beat Navy next week, they'll claim the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. They'll be 9-3 and three by that point. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, there it doesn't seem that impressive on its face. Like, they've only beaten, I think, three, six, and six teams. But then, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, my God, why isn't South Florida ranked? Well, guess how many South Florida 500 wins they <laughs> have? Just one. That's zero. Oh, I guess 500, yeah, Temple. Yeah, they, they beat Temple. But Army also beat Temple. <laughs> you know, they, they, beat, they beat Duke, bowl eligible. They threw a scare into North Texas, you know, 52 to 49, and one of the, you know, quietly one of the best games of the year. 
you know, they beat a bull eligible Buffalo. So, I mean, and they, it's going to be a really interesting matchup because, you know, we know that they run the triple option. We know that they're very good at running the rip, the triple option. They did a number against air force earlier this year. So, you know, it may not be the ideal for a team that's 10 and two, but you know, if they beat army, they're definitely going to be in the conversation for being ranked at the end of the season, which I think is an, an accomplishment in itself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is, you know, not a great look on its face, but I think if they can put together another very good win, you know, the same that they seem to have been doing it week in and week out down the stretch, really hard to complain. And also, it's another instance where Rashad Penny can go off for 200 yards against this defense, <laughs> and, you know, I don't think Aztec fans are going to complain about that either. So it's going to be a better game than I think at first glance or the first impression of it. You know, a lot of Aztecs fans might be feeling slighted, but it's going to be a good test for them. I want to give you a quick question here, or ask you a question. Do you know how many, because everybody wants to play a Power 5 team, which, sure, great. Do you know how many Power 5, G5 matchups are in the bowl games, not including the near six game? Didn't you say there was only like one or two? I, I just did right now, five. There's five. Just five. And so, I get people want the name, but like, I, th- there weren't many options. Like, even if they got to the Frisco Bowl, Okay, maybe who they would have played whoever some sort of American team, which is uh, you already mentioned Law Tech and SMU. SMU is flawed there forever, partly because location. They're right near that same Dallas area, and Law Tech went there because heck, they're nearby in Shreveport, not that far of a drive or a short flight. It's like so. What matchup? If you were gonna like the matchups weren't there. Like there, I saw Birmingham Bowl versus Utah. It's like six and six Utah. What is that? What does that prove? You know what I mean? Seven to five Oregon, well, like what? I see the allure of playing a power five team, but when you're playing a team that's six and six, why not play a nine and three Army team? Why not play a team that's eight and four Central Michigan or whatever? I get the name thing, but Utah's not a huge name. You're not going to play a big name opponent unless they're bad. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you take the broader look too, and you see who you know a lot of the other really quality group of five teams are playing this year. You know, Toledo, for instance, you know, MAC champions, 10-game winners, just like San Diego State. Do you have any idea who they're playing off the top of your Memphis? Hand? Oh, no, sorry. No. Who'd you say? Sorry, I was looking up something. Well, who'd you say again? What team? Toledo. Toledo. They're probably in the Motor City Bowl, right? Well, I I forgot to check the <laughs> bowl. But I can tell <laughs> you. But, but I can tell you that they're playing Appalachian State. Okay. Co-Sunbelt mm-hmm. champions. You know, the other co-Sunbelt champions, Troy... Another ten and two team, just like San Diego State. Do you know who they're playing? A G five team. They're playing North Texas in the New Orleans Bowl. So, you know, and this is not to try to belittle San Diego State's argument. I think it's a legitimate argument that needs to be addressed somehow. You know, I think some of these kind of middling teams need to be a little more willing to kind of test themselves as opposed to playing each other because you can really only tolerate, you know. What seven and five Arizona versus six and six Purdue for so like long. this really you know quick I mean? Liberty Bowl Memphis is staying at home they made a trade they're playing seven to five Iowa State oh yeah they did have those they have a couple decent wins didn't they beat uh, or maybe it's Iowa sorry I'm thinking the wrong team maybe but Iowa no they beat TCU they're playing seven to five Iowa State at home they don't go anywhere which is whatever bowl games you like to travel but they're a pretty good team was what oh, two overtimes like. Like this close to playing in the Peach Bowl, Did they get to play Iowa State. How do they feel? What what better matchup could they have? They even traded to get to this matchup, but it's not that great. And they are considered, I would say, they're better than San Diego State. And look what they get saddled with. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that this is an issue that's it's bigger than the Mountain West. Yeah. You know, even though you know South Florida, for instance, like we 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 like to joke, but like they're playing Texas Tech in Birmingham. Texas Tech was like one of the last teams in into bowl eligibility. They had to beat Texas to get there. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where you know, yes, yeah, San Diego State has a legitimate argument, but they're at least one of I would say four or five group of five teams that have kind of the same argument. Where you know, in the long run, I think it would be better for college football as a whole. Which, by the way, I should probably preface it by saying I don't think it's ever going to happen <laughs> because because of money, yeah. but. I think that we would be better off as group of five fans if they were able to secure better power five matchups for those four or five teams that inevitably get to like nine or 10 wins every year and then get stuck playing other group of five teams. Yeah, because also I think San Diego State should be the top of that list because they've been ranked twice this year. And they have like all those other teams you mentioned outside of Logan Woodside. Who do you really know? Everybody know, everybody, most people have heard of Rashard Penny. Like him and Woodside, that's about it. They've been ranked more recently. They were ranked last week. They've been ranked early in the year after they beat Stanford. But here's one other thing, flip side too. Had they stuck in the Mountain West Bowl system, options, Marshall, Central Michigan, New Mexico State. Really? You you excited yeah. about those matchups either? <laughs> you wouldn't play Houston because of last year, but like I'll throw in Oregon as well. Like, are you excited? Like, out of all these teams on here, who, you know what I mean? Like, who are you going to play? Who would you rather play than Army? Maybe Central Michigan, I guess Oregon, because of the quote name thing, Pac-12, because they want to, Aztecs have a complexity of being in the Pac-12 or playing Pac-12 teams, which makes sense. But, like, who else would you rather play? Like, what are your options? Would you rather have stayed in league and play Central Michigan up in Idaho? That was a realistic possibility. The Mountain West did this. They're going to blame Craig Thompson. They're going to blame all this stuff. A couple things. Points. Blame the – really quick. I know we're an hour already, which I said we wouldn't do. But – First off, blame the former San Diego Chargers to leave town to close the Point Stadium Bowl. You can point blame at them because that only leaves Holiday Bowl. Why have that building open for at the queue for Aztec games and a bowl game? Blame them as well as part of it. But I don't think you can blame the league at all for doing their best. This was a thing where Aztecs probably requested as well. Hey, can we get a better bowl matchup? We have an extra team. We would like to be the team to find a better matchup or another matchup. Because they did well last year, matching them up versus Houston. That was a good matchup. So you got to put blame on both sides. Aztecs wanted out of the agreement to find the best matchup possible. Mountain West did their best to find the best best matchup possible. That's true. And I mean, it's also, you know, reminiscent of, you know, on the, on the flip side of everything I was saying before, you know, you may recall, I believe it was two years ago. You know, obviously last year they got stuck the air force for instance, got stuck in Arizona and, you know, nobody was really happy about it. But two years ago, they were in that exact same Armed Forces Bowl against a pretty decent Cal team as yeah. well. So I think I think you're right that this argument kind of cuts both ways. And sometimes it works out for a team and sometimes you're left a little, a little bit unhappy. But without sweeping kinds of changes, it's hard to see what's going to change about that. Yeah, I don't know what it can change because the Big Ten and Pac-12 always want to play each other, even if it's not the Rose Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Alamo Bowl. I think Alamo Bowl, but these Power 5 teams want to play each other. So you can't blame them for blame them for that. But I'm wondering if there could be like this would make sense, but I don't think it'll ever I'm gonna wrap up really quick on this because we have gone over an hour. But like you said, you have the four or five best G five teams, five uh, nine to ten, maybe eleven wins some year. Couldn't there be a way where 
I don't know how it worked, like kind of a rotational thing or leave a couple of bowls open for these teams rate, rated high enough in the uh, whatever computer formulas you want to use. Like I know I was against that for hosting, but get my point, like maybe leave a couple spots that are set aside for the group of five where they could be, I don't know what bowl game would do. It wouldn't be until like the new alignment in 2019, but be creative with this stuff. Like it's hard to, plus it's out West too. You want fans to travel. There's obviously fewer teams out West because there's only two conferences out West Sort of CUSA if you want to go to like UTEP and whatever. There's not many teams, like 25 teams out west, essentially, 26 teams. Mm-hmm. But yeah. couldn't there be – wouldn't that be a, a better way for the bowl and the leagues to say, hey, if these teams are ranked at a certain point, let's leave these com- these spots open, but only for it to meet certain criteria to opt out of your conference-affiliated bowl games. But it, I don't know. It's just – got to be – got to think about it. I, I don't, that could be an idea. I don't think it's too difficult because – the Arizona Bowl has a matchup between it could be Sunbelt, Conference USA, or MAC in some years. Why can't it be this is a um, maybe some sort of poll or something or like I said, computer rating where we have a few bowl spots open where it could be with the new Vegas Bowl. I don't know because that could be big. that could be a boom for the Mountain West as well where new bowl game, more money, maybe they'll get Pac-12-4 to come into town. That would be pretty big. But do you think that's too far-fetched to maybe set aside just say three bowl games? I don't think and so. No. If you want to get a P5 matchup, it still wouldn't be great. It might be like Pac-12-4 or something. You know what I mean? Big 12-4, Big 10-4, but it'd still be a team that, that probably won at least eight games, and it probably could be a decent opponent, more rather than playing a 6-6, six and six, whoever in the Vegas ball most years. I'd be down. Me too. Maybe, maybe the article on that. Hey, we need to save some off-season top content, so maybe we'll look into that later. But I think we wrapped it up. We did go one hour, so I guess you get what you pay for, right? Exactly. Just nothing. So thank you. If you listen to the show, we'd love it. So here's our real quick play. We're going to probably do a bowl preview, like an early preview show, middle of next week. Does that work for you? I'm guessing. And sure. then we'll do. We'll start um, bringing out or producing previews, kind of a game by game, or so we'll figure something out. But we'll have a show middle of the week next week to go a little bit more in depth in these matchups because bowl game starts a weekend, two weeks from today or two weeks from yesterday. So. Do we need we got the bowl jingle in your head probably people a stupid Capital One thing whatever it may be again <laughs> we have that going on but any parting shots are we good to go you know what can we give one last congratulations to Boise good State good job you for winning the conference exactly congratulations so if you say we hate their team no we don't hate your team by the way follow us on Twitter if you want to have a vo- if you want to have a voice in what our new header photo is going to be for the next 365 days and fa- be sure to do that and facebook be sure to do that sooner rather than later don't too, we already yeah. change that thought well yeah i changed it temporarily because okay. one of our followers asked us to and i was like you know what you're right but we have four options so go vote on which photo you like best because that will be there for the next yeah, year I, when we set up the new account we put up a san diego stand like that's that's appropriate we put up their photo so we'll change our facebook we'll change our twitter maybe we'll do this we'll do first and second one gets twitter one gets facebook that that actually we'll maybe works, do yeah. that so that, maybe i'll get people to go to our facebook page for once <laughs> <laughs> fingers fingers crossed <laughs> right? hoping, so yeah but congrats to boise you get a new header photo and again check our mentions check on twitter we, unlike most uh brand accounts we'll talk with you a bit right we may yeah. not agree. We may we may agree. We may give each other high fives or hugs, but uh, we're good. That's all we got. So mwr.com, That's our website. Check us out. Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. We'd appreciate a review. Again, if you like us or not, give us five stars, but tell us the truth because that's all that's all we want. All what we want, really. So, but when like we always end, yes, we're biased against your particular Mountain West team. <laughs>